everybody, the economy is getting back underway, and with it, the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com, and if you are not already a The Athletic subscriber for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. All right, welcome into the Growler edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Danner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic here with you. Jay, how we doing? Doing pretty good. This is it. Today is the last day we get to watch an entire practice for the rest of the season. Is, is I don't know if that's good news or bad news. Well, do you not count the scrimmage? Well, that's not a practice. Sure it is. Kind of. It's like a, a preseason thing we get to game. watch. Well, yeah, it is, but it's... It, it'll be more interesting than a practice. So that's why, that's you true. know, it's it's good to have the access to watch an entire practice. But, yeah, it, practice is kind of boring. Practice does get kind of boring. The first day they ha- have to kick you out of practice is one of my favorite days of the year. <laughs> of course, that was back in the days when we were just swimming in access. So, like, I feel a little different about it now uh, when we, you know, can't ever be near anything. Um, but still, you're right. Uh it's it's it means we're closer. We're getting closer. Just a couple of weeks. I mean, we're under two weeks from the opener for Kansas City and Houston. Two weeks, basically, for Bengals and Chargers. So right around the corner, uh, which reminds me, in the coming uh, next week, we're going to start taking a closer look, talking to some of our uh, our colleagues that are the insiders over around the division. That means uh, Jeff Zriebeck in Baltimore, Mark Caboli in Pittsburgh are going to join us next week. Uh, we're going to kind of take a close look at what's going on there, what their teams look like. Zach Jackson in Cleveland will join us that first week because the Bengals are playing the Browns right off the jump. So we'll just have him in as a preview episode for Bengals-Browns. Um, the Browns are kind of a mess, but that will be a story for another day. Um, because the Bengals have their own messes. Uh, a lot, a lot to get to. Mackenzie Alexander, great news on a just an insane story on his front. Uh, Joe Mixon uh, is very relevant uh, back in the news with the Bengals. We need to talk about A.J. Green back at practice, uh, running around, but also uh he had some discussions on the decision to practice and, you know, the Bengals as they face how they're handling um, reactions to Jacob Blake and social injustice and, and, and all of that. So we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, Jay has a conversation with Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders, kind of taking an analytical look at the Bengals. And I'm going to bring you a Brian Callahan answering a question that I asked him about one of the key parts of Aaron Schatz and Football Outsiders' analytical look at the Bengals and, and what they plan to do about it. And one of my favorite, one of my favorite Bengals growler bets all, of all year. It goes back to last year. Bengals House of Cards is back. It's back. Bengals it's House now of a Cards tradition. Is it is. Really started last year because uh, it was based around the fact that their offense was really centered around a bunch of people with injury history, and it really felt like it was all going to fall apart any minute. What happened, Jay? It did fall apart. It it fell apart. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Because everybody got hurt or didn't play. 
or elected uh, not to play or decided not to play. Uh, so we are going to bring back Bengals House of Cards at the end of that. And that means you, you can put in your Bengals House of Cards number and try to win a growler uh, bought by us for you from delicious of delicious 50 West beer. So keep that in mind. Uh, stick around to the end of the growler. Let's jump in, though. Um, let's start with Mackenzie Alexander and the crazy story uh, of what happened with him this week. Jay, you were all over this from the beginning and broke the news that his dad was alive. Um, take me through your end and everything you were hearing on your side and how this unfolded. Yeah, I mean, first of all, that was stunning. I think everybody expected the worst. That was the, the reaction on Twitter was, you know, that 2020 has been such a crap year and finally some good news. I mean, I, I think even people that weren't Bengal fans just really kind of caught on to that story. And at any time you have a missing person, it I would like to see the stats on this, but it, it usually ends up bad. Uh, what had happened is he had gone berry picking with um, a friend and acquaintance. I don't know what their exact relationship is, but uh, something they'd done in the past and had been told they weren't allowed to do. So they're on this berry picking expedition and Mackenzie's father goes missing and Mackenzie leaves Bengals practice and, and flies down there to supposedly help search for his dad. But the first thing he does is he goes to this guy's house with a, a friend of his and According to the arrest report, they threatened him with a gun. They tried to get him to leave with them in a car. The The guy refused to do it. And um, McKenzie's friend held the man down and, and McKenzie hit him. And he had injuries on his lip and his forehead. Uh, it turns out from the, the, the missing report, person's report, or at least this is what the acquaintance said, is that, that he looked for McKenzie's father for three hours, couldn't find him. Drove 80 miles back home to where they live, got got McKenzie's, uh, I assume it's his mother, but got his father's wife, and they drove back to where they were picking berries, looked again for about another hour, still couldn't find him, drove 80 miles back home, and then called the police and reported him missing. Um, what I heard from, not officially, but just off the record, was that the police came again, and McKenzie's father didn't want to get in trouble for picking berries. So he ran off and hid and he must have hid really well if his partner was looking for him for three hours and couldn't find him, but there was no evil intent there. Um, he, he got lost. I don't know what this landscape looks like out there. It, it obviously must be pretty remote. Um, he was missing for about 34 hours on Wednesday morning at seven fifteen AM. He walked up to a park ranger station and, uh, that's shortly after that is, when I reported he had been found and it, it ended well for his father. Now we don't know how it's going to end for McKenzie. This, th that's a troubling arrest, a, a gun charge and, or a gun allegation and, uh, assault and battery. Um, you don't even have to be convicted of a crime to, to get discipline under the NFL conduct policy. Uh, he, he hasn't been convicted yet, but he was arrested. He did spend the night in jail. So, Obviously, some strange extenuating circumstances. I don't know how the NFL will view that, but he is facing a suspension to start the season. Potentially. Um, we'll see. I, I, you know what? You got to feel like some people in the league office are like, can we cut this dude a break? Like, yeah. this guy was responsible 
for leaving. I mean, now whatever you want to say about what happened, like, I mean, how would anybody act, right? I mean, how would anybody act? Does it, is that make it right to, you know, whatever, under the law, right? We'll see how that gets handled. I, I would not anticipate anything major coming down on McKenzie, but you're right. We'll, we'll see what that looks like and how long it takes the league. I feel like the league's got a lot of other things on their plate right now. Uh, <laughs> and the other thing what, is McKenzie has never been, he's never been suspended. He's never been fined for anything. No. So he's got a clean record uh, in, in terms of the league. So I think that'll be taken into account as well. Yeah. So we'll see what comes with that. But uh, thankfully ends up as a, you know, a positive as positive as the story can be. I mean, you're right. I mean, for it to turn out this way was not, I don't think how anybody thought it would turn out when the story first cropped up and then seemed to get exponentially worse when McKenzie went down there and got arrested. I mean, it was just, you know, everything does seem to have flipped. We don't know when McKenzie will be back with the Bengals. I would assume not too long now that everything seems to be settled back there, but he will have to go back through the protocol and all that stuff, which we see, with some other, we see Michael Jordan has been out. He his girlfriend had a baby, uh, and so he he went out on his uh, basically paternity, and he's coming back, but he has to go through the protocol, so he hasn't been at a couple of practices. You you see that type of stuff when people have to leave and go travel and things like that, uh, where you got to go back through the testing uh, before you come back into practice and into the building, which is you know, shout out NFL by the way on that side note. I mean, they they have stayed as clean. As almost as you can possibly be. I think there's one person on the COVID list right now, like in the league. I mean, it is remarkable that they have been in camp for this long and been able to stay, uh, you know, a- a- as far away from this virus as they have. Um, good for them. And I think it has a lot of optimism uh, throughout the league that they're going to be able to do this this season and play the full 16 and pull this off. It will not be easy. There's going to be bumps, I'm sure. But for now, man, they passed a huge first test in this first month. All right, we'll take a second to talk a little bit about Manscaped. They got you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trim and feeling fully supportive. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's right. Uh, you can get the trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, whew, Crop Reviver, Ball Toning Spray. It all sounds great, doesn't it? Super practical. Uh, plus, for limited time, you can get the Perfect Package Kit. You get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. He doesn't need that. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. It's 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com. Use the code THEATHLETIC20. From the moose to the caboose, always use the right tools for the job. Sorry, I'm rubbing my head right now having to go into this topic. So the Joe Mixon story has turned into what we thought it might. What what was the really the only concern about what it could do, and that would be contract negotiations getting deep into it and becoming what contract negotiations become when they feel like they might be about to break off the way we're seeing them across the league, especially with running backs right now, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and getting maybe contentious and it causing some decisions to be made business decisions uh potentially 
All we know is this. Here's the facts. Uh, on Monday, Joe Mixon did not participate in practice. He was out there hanging out on the side rehab field uh, along with a couple others. Um, Carlos Dunlap, who's nursing, they called a minor injury. Um, Joe Mixon's uh, absence was de- was called a minor injury by Zach Taylor in a statement to us on Monday. Tuesday, no practice. Wednesday, practice not only Joe not participating, nowhere to be seen. Not out there. Now, on Monday, with his minor injury, he was out there, no problems. Uh, Wednesday, he's, 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 he's nowhere. Other, other players that are nursing stuff out there. And Joe Mixon, notoriously, by the way, the most vibrant, uh, enthusiastic, like, you will never see anybody who loves to be having to watch practice more than Joe Mixon, like running around, celebrating, high-fiving. People remember the Atlanta game where he was hurt, he had a wrap on his leg, and he sprints down and tackles A.J. Green in the end zone after a touchdown. That's how he is in practice. That's that's Mixon. So the idea of him not being out there is 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 interesting just on that alone. So I write about where's Joe Mixon, and report comes out that he has migraines except in all the people that are reporting on these migraines uh each one is couched with "Eh, in the middle of contract negotiations i mean if you care about pro football talk i know many people on this that listen to this don't literally used the quote we don't know if this is migraines or quote migraines I mean, look, this is the only option at these players' disposal as leverage. I'm not blaming anybody for doing it. I mean, if that's the route you want to take, if you you don't want to go out there to practice in the middle of a negotiation and risk hurting yourself and all of that, hey, you know what? You're using your options. You're making your decisions for your business and the biggest contract of your career potentially. So be it. But let's call a spade a spade here. Okay? Like, it's reported as migraines. Could it be? Sure. Is that the absolutely perfect out if you just are trying to find a way to sit out of practice? Yes. There's no way to check it. It's strictly on the player. You you know, you don't have to be outside. I'm not. Nobody is saying anything other than these are the facts. If you were trying to get out of it, this is what you would use. If you had migraines, maybe this is what would happen. But it's quite interesting on the timing of it and the fact that somebody with this this minor injury was out able to be outside watching on Monday, but not on Wednesday. We shall see how this plays out. But I don't know, Jay, when we're going to see Joe Mixon again. Yeah, I, I don't know if we will until there's a contract. And if and if he's not out there, maybe there's not going to be a contract. It's the, the the what's what's leading to this, and I'm not saying Joe's lying, but the the new CBA basically forces players to lie because they took away the the ability to hold out. If you miss five consecutive practices unexcused, i.e. a holdout, you don't get your year of service time. So if he were to do that, just do a healthy sit-out, then he goes into 2021 – still on the fourth year of his contract, still looking for an extension, nothing changes. So they, they really kind of forced the players into this. 
Um, and again, I'm not saying Joe is lying, but you're right. If this, if you were looking for a perfect way to, to get out of practice with, without, without just sitting out, that's the way to do it. It's, you, it, it, it's similar to a concussion, a reporting concussion symptoms. You can't really prove whether your vision is blurred, whether you're having headaches, migraines, whatever they are. Um, I ha- I don't want to make light of it because I, uh, back in the early nineties, I had, they didn't, I wasn't diagnosed with migraines, but they were, they were called cluster headaches. And what they were is I started getting headaches and I would, I would just overdose basically on aspirin. I was taking so much aspirin that it caused like these rebound cluster headaches and they were horrible. They were completely debilitating. All you could do was just lay down and go to sleep and, and hope when you woke up, it was gone. So I, I don't want to make light of it if, if that is really what he's dealing with, but it is, it's just the, the timing is what makes this so interesting because, you know, typically people with migraines suffer with them for long periods of time. And it, it would be odd that this would not be something in, in his injury past that it, that it just now cropped up. They are very serious, and and absolutely, if you're dealing with migraines, it's. But you're right; that's a recurring thing. I mean, that's something has ended careers. Trill Davis. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has ended careers. Um, the way it was reported, I think people need to pay attention to that language and the way it has been reported by the people that have reported that. I mean, look at the Pelissero tweet. It is migraines. Optimism. He could return, though. With contract negotiations ongoing, what if you had migraines? There's no when you're in the middle of one of those. There's no optimism that you'll ever return to to like functioning life. Much understanding when that's going to end, you know, unless this negotiation is giving him migraines. You know, I mean, you're just all. That's all I'm saying is I I do think this gives me pause about. When we will see Joe make some return. That's all. I, I don't know that we can say for certain how long this will go on. I'll ask you that. Run past her boot. When do we next see Joe Mixon? Jay. Um, next week. Uh, leading up to the opener or sometime after the opener. Does he play in the opener? Um, yeah, I was gonna say, where does the opener fall in that? Because I do think he'll be in the opener. I, I, I think this. It, I don't. I, again, you have to read into his tweets a couple weeks ago. Um, oh Lord, where you know was <laughs> was the big big decisions tweet? Was that because it was a, a contract offer that was close to what he wanted, but not quite what he wanted? It's really everybody's been fairly hush hush on the numbers in this negotiation. You don't really know how close they are. Um, but the Bengals have made it clear how important he is and his side, his agent, Peter Schaefer has to, I mean, I know he's doing the best for his client, but you have to look at the landscape, the, the the salary cap going down, the, the value of the running position, running back position going down. You can't just say he needs to be a top three guy and he should be getting 13, 14 million a year. That's just not realistic. And if that's what they're going to sit on, then, then we probably don't see Joe Mixon all year because if they're not going to come off of that number, that's not happening. Um, but I do think he is so important to this franchise and he knows if he sits out the year, then he's. If it's injury based, then yes, he would still be a free agent. But it feels like this is gonna it's gonna get resolved, and we will see him in the opener. 
Um, but the key here is what do you go with for the for the uh, pass? I'm running with we'll see him in the opener. The pass, is it after the opener or is it sometime before? Um, I'm going to say after. I think more than likely maybe there is a, a game sit out and then I'll boot the sometime. What was the first, the other choice ne- this week or next week? Yeah, I would say the next. Yeah, we'll just say the next couple of weeks at the opener or uh, after. Yeah, I'll, I'll boot the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I will too. Uh, and I'm I'm tempted to run with after, but I I I I think it comes down to something that we discussed at the very, very way back. I mean, way back when we were first. And I mean, who knows when we first even started talking about this? That's a timestamp that I don't want to check through it. Ooh, that's going way back. But talking about inevitably, Joe Mixon loves football, and he loves playing football, and I think he is excited about playing for this team. And I think that's what it will come down to if it's like, oh, am I really going to sit out games while this team goes out there and you get, you know, you have a chance to go play football? I don't know. I'm going to bet that he would play. Um, But I think that's where it's at. Um, And who knows? This may change. This may change quickly. Uh, We do know this. We have put in a media request uh, to speak with Mixon uh, er, a week or two ago. He turned it down. He didn't want to talk about anything. We continue to try to. No luck there right now. You know, this is, you know, I I don't know what's going on in Joe Mixon's head, nor would I try to pretend to understand it. I'm just trying to lay out where we're at and and both sides of what the story could or could not be. Um, But I think it's at a critical point. That's for sure. All right, and let's take a quick break uh, to hear from one of today's sponsors. AJ Green is back, uh, sort of. He's doing individuals and um, some work like that. So he said he is hoping to take part in the scrimmage. There's a scrimmage Sunday, and then there's going to be another lesser one on Thursday. Sunday, think third preseason game. Thursday, think fourth preseason game. But very much, um, you know, a manicured event. They're not. They're not trying to mess around too much. It's going to keep it pretty simple on that fourth one he hopes to play in one of the two of those he says he wants to get out there and and get his legs under him and all that stuff we'll see he hasn't really even done anything other than just a little individual work so we'll see how much he actually does before the opener i don't know um maybe he only goes out there and does a series on sunday we'll we'll be all over that for you but keep an eye on that the other thing jay that you wrote about was you know the bengal's decision to practice uh, on Thursday, amidst you know all the so many cancellations and so many teams trying to bring light on how to go forward and and how to make real impact on change when it comes to uh, racial injustice and all that stuff that is going on right now and that was a major topic inside the Bengals locker room too. They decided to play. You ask AJ Green about it. What what was your takeaway from sort of the discussion on why they decided to play? Uh, well, I thought it was interesting. I, you know, you you look at the the NBA, the baseball, the, the 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 teams that were canceling games. It was there's a lot of different reasons for it, but it it's it's a totally different thing than canceling practice. And that's what I thought AJ's comment was really interesting. There is like we're not going to cancel practice just to cancel practice, just to follow the leader. There 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 has to be a reason for it, and. 
they a lot of the teams, a lot of the NFL teams that did cancel practice, cancel practice so that they could have these like team meetings and discuss what's going on in the world and and and, and how these issues of racial injustice have affected them. Um, the Bengals have been doing that. They they formed a committee uh, back in in May after the George Floyd incident. Um, they they spoke that that committee spoke yesterday. They were they were hoping to have an entire team conversation today. It, it's not the things that you would do in lieu of practice. You can do in addition to practice, and, and that's where AJ was coming from. There is. Let's not just skip practice because we're tired or because we want to do what other teams are doing. Let's let's find a way to have meaningful discussion and still get our work done. And, and that's the direction they took. Now we don't know what we'll we'll talk to some players and maybe Zach after after practice today, and we'll get a better idea of of what those discussions entailed. But um, I, I thought that was that was interesting that that just pointing out that we're not going to do it just for the sake of doing it. Yeah. I asked AJ Green about, you know, we talk so much about, you're right, the reason and what you want. I kind of asked AJ that uh, when we had him on Zoom. What, what do you want to, what do you want to see happen? How can you, how can you and the Bengals organization get together to make real change? What does that look like? What is that for you? Uh, here's AJ Green's answer to that question. For, for us, man, it just, trying to get out in the community. Um, I think I was talking to some of the guys, just starting from the top, um, having that uncomfortable conversation with, you know, the the owners and uh, the general managers and making everybody feel comfortable. Um, um, Because I think a lot of players are scared to talk because, you know, a lot of people not financially stable to where they can make comments on how they feel about things and not feel like they will get cut or something like that. So um, I think it starts from the top and then that will create an environment where these guys are comfortable in voicing their opinion and not feel like this could cost me my job because I have a family to feel. So in my position, you know, I, it hits home because I have two boys, two brown boys that I have to raise and have to teach them, um, you know, the equalities that, that being a black man comes with. And that's a tough conversation to have with a young guy and a young kid who doesn't see anything, who's always sheltered, who can get anything he wants, who's going to go to the best schools. And, but at the end of the day, he's a black boy and his dad's black. Um, so for me, it's all, this is going to start for me trying to teach my kids. So that's this, it's going to be an uncomfortable conversation that we're going to have to have as men. Um, so just you know we we kind of heard uh something in that area a little bit um when we talked to him after he signed the franchise tag i mean this is very important to him obviously he's talked a lot about having two little boys that he's trying to you know basically raise into a better place and um really just insightful stuff from aj he was the perfect person to be able to talk to yesterday i mean he has star power but also he's these these issues are very important to him. He's a leader on the team. Um, you know, it's, he was the perfect person, and uh, I thought he was very insightful and, and very good on the topic. Um, I want to move on. Um, 
Jay. You talk to Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. You know, we talk a lot about numbers and we get into analytics around here. Well, that's the Football Outsiders world. And um, so we thought this would be a great opportunity as we approach the season to kind of look at a Bengals through the analytical lens. Um, and you did talk to Aaron Schatz. What, uh, let's just let's bring that in. Let's bring that conversation in. Um, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about some of the things that he said, including talking to Brian Callahan about one of the most important elements of what Football Outsiders and Aaron Schatz wrote and said. So here's Jay's conversation with Football Outsiders Aaron Schatz. All right. Uh, excited to talk to our next guest here, Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. And you, for listeners of the podcast, regular listeners of our podcast, you guys know how much I love stats, and we have the Jay's Got Stats segment, and a lot of times you guys ask where I get these stats, and Football Outsiders is, is one of the go-to sites. It's, it's like a playground for stat geeks like myself, so uh, really excited to talk to Aaron. Um, Aaron, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty well, all things considering. Is this kind of like a, I mean, you, you put the giant almanac to bed, what, around June, July, and now you're waiting for the season to start up? Is this kind of like your slow period? Yeah, strangely enough, the pre, especially this year, there's no preseason games to watch or talk about. So this is, yeah, a little bit of a slow period, mostly just talking about the book, talking about the upcoming season. In a couple of weeks, we'll really get going into the year. Well, let's talk about the book. I mean, it is, I just can't imagine this seems like a massive undertaking i i i did downloaded the pdf 528 pages uh by my count over 425,000 words um i think you had 15 or 16 writers helping you put it together um just just how labor intensive is this process every year for you it's a lot of work for three or four months yeah this is a lot of work because also i mean all of the stats that we're doing during the regular season, you know, eventually that stuff's going to go into the book. So some of the work that we're doing during the regular season and the playoffs is sort of, in effect, book preparation. And then all the work that we do, basically April, May, June, and the first half of July. So like three and a half months are pretty much dedicated to the book. And so people who aren't familiar with it know this. it's not just table after table after stats. The uh, the write-ups on all 32 teams are really entertaining, uh, really well written. It was it, the, the Bengals one in particular by Robert Weintraub was uh, a, a, an enjoyable read. Um, just give people an idea what exactly they can expect from the Almanac. Yeah, right. It's, it's, it's not just a bunch of tables because that would be boring. There are plenty of them and plenty of stats for all kinds of different positions from blown blocks for offensive linemen to defensive coverage for cornerbacks and all kinds of team stats, advanced stats that account for a situation and opponent, but also write-ups on all 32 teams and then a whole section for fantasy players with write-ups on all the skilled players as well as fantasy football projections. And then we have a college section, which this year turns out to not be as appropriate as usual since some of the teams that we write about aren't going to play. But usually, you know, we preview the top 50 college teams in there as well. So it's really everything you need to get ready for the upcoming season. And like you said, it's very big. It's over 500 pages. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of the the stats are, are for not hardcore fans, but people that really do like getting into numbers. But for the casual fans, I think what they might be most interested in is 
the, the projections. And uh, the one that I think most people want to know about, uh, Bengals win total, you guys have them at 6.7 this year. Just how do you go about coming up with that formula and landing on that number? Well, we take numbers from the last three years and a number of other variables, like specific variables for quarterbacks and personnel changes on offense and defense and coaching continuity. and That all goes into projecting offense, defense, and special teams. And then we simulate the season a million times with a bunch of possibilities for how good teams are going to be and then how many games they're going to win based on how good they're going to be. Now, our projections are naturally conservative. They really group around 8-8. Eight and eight. So 6.7 may actually sound like a lot for a team that was just 2-14 and 14 a year ago, but that actually ranks them 29th among the 32 teams. We, we know, you know that there are teams that are going to like go 13-3 and 3 and 3-13, and 13, but a lot of that is based on sort of random chance and unexpected things that happen, injury. So it's hard to actually predict that a team is going to go 13-3 and 3 or 3-13. and 13. Yeah, and then the other number that was really interesting, uh, I thought, was I'm sure this came the same way through that million simulation. Uh, the the chances of the Bengals making the postseason, 23.3%. I think a lot of Bengal fans would would sign up for a one in four chance of making the playoffs this year. Um, is that is that derived kind of the same way where you just play the season out a million times and, and, and literally 23% of the times they were in? Absolutely. And remember, I mean, every year of the last, every year since 2002, except for 2014 and 2019, at least one team went from last place to first place. So this is the NFL. Teams improve more often than you expect. They improve when you don't expect it. So you, you've got to project that even the best teams are going to miss the playoffs some of the time, and even the worst teams are, are going to make it some of the time. Every team in our Simulation makes the playoffs at least twelve percent of the time. And as far as the stats go, um, this is something that is is in the almanac. It's it's in the it's on the website throughout the season. Uh, something that Paul and I reference all the time on the podcast and in our writing. The the it's kind of your signature stat, I believe, the DVOA, which is defense adjusted value over average. Um, how did you come up with that and just kind of give the, the listeners a, a brief description of what exactly that is? Yeah, I mean, it was based on the idea of trying to think about situational football the way coaches think. And the idea is that yardage is different based on the down and distance, right? Like a five-yard gain on a first and ten is very different than a five-yard gain on a third and one or a five-yard gain on a third and ten, which isn't very useful at all. So the goal was to measure yardage based on the situation and then adjust for your opponent and how hard it is to gain certain yardage, right? It's easier to convert a third and one than a third ten. We account for that. So basically what it is is it's measuring success on every play based on the down and distance, adjusted for situation and opponent. And I've been doing it since 2002. And the other numbers that really kind of I think Bengal fans will be most interested in are the projections for the the skill players and both for fantasy reasons and just for everybody wants to know what to expect from Joe Burrow this year. Um, For instance, you guys have Joe Burrow completing 61.5% of his passes, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. 
Uh, how is that derived at? Is is that the same thing where it's just a, a composite average of the, the, the one million simulations, or is there something different that goes into those individuals? Well, yeah, it's hard to project players, especially rookies. Rookies are hard to project. So we have a whole system we call the Kubiak fantasy football system, named after Gary Kubiak because we thought that his name sounded like one of those old 60s mainframes. <laughs> and uh, we, you know, there's a lot of variables for rookies, like, you know, what their draft position was and what their college stats were and sort of how that offense is designed, you know, whether it's an offense that goes long more often or it's more of a high completion percentage offense. So we try to account for all of those things when we make projections. But, I mean, you know, projections are difficult enough for veterans. For rookies, they're extremely difficult. Was there any um, number that, that surprised you, either individual or team-wise, for the Bengals this year, or a number that you, you think Bengal fans might be most interested in hearing about? I mean, I think that the biggest thing is the idea that Joe Mixon is going to have a real rebound here when it comes to touchdowns. Mixon really last year... Um, if you look at the number of times that he carried the ball near the goal line, really should have had more touchdowns than he ended up having. So, for example, like, even though all of our projections sort of incorporate the possibility of injury, so we have Mixon's average projection with 38 fewer carries, we have him with eight touchdowns instead of the five he had last year because he just had really bad luck scoring touchdowns given where he got the ball. Yeah, you guys have him at 986 rushing yards, and if he's not extended before the season starts, I gotta figure he's gonna find a way to get to that thousand mark if it's if it's gonna uh, be something that's gonna help him in his contract negotiations uh, in the off season. Yeah, I have a feeling too. Like I said, it prices in the possibility of injury. so you know every player is sort of projected for like 14 games because of the possibility of injury. If he's yeah. healthy for 16 games, he'll go over this. Yeah. And important to note, too, you guys also had him with 45 catches, 346 yards. So, yeah, that's that's 1,300 total yards. I, I think a lot of Bengal fans would, would take that in a heartbeat. Um, now, that being said, I don't favor giving him a long-term contract. I mean, analytics suggest that giving second contracts to running backs is not an efficient use of money, even good running backs like Mixon. Yeah, we've, we've debated this uh, all offseason. Um, I, I think the, the Bengals are kind of going at it from a contrarian standpoint where they're they're not looking, they don't focus on the position. They said they focus on the person. They love Joe Mixon. But there are, in the analytics corner of the world, everyone is screaming, don't do it, don't do it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, again, the, the, I mean, we could talk forever on this almanac. It is, is so in-depth. There's so much good stuff in there. Uh, just give the listeners an idea of, of how to purchase it and, um, and, and what all, anything extra that we haven't gotten to that they might be getting when they do buy it. Sure. So Football Outsiders uh, is our website, footballoutsiders.com. You can buy the electronic version of this at footballoutsiders.com. We also sell subscriptions to what we call FO+, Plus, which has a bunch of database of stats going all the way back to 85 and um, a, a fantasy projections uh, tool that you can uh, you can craft to your own league's rules so that it gives you a list of who you should be drafting in what order based on our projections and picks against the spread and all that. That's called FO+. Plus. Uh, you can also buy the book in printed form from Amazon.com. And I will point out 
that a portion of the proceeds of every book that we sell this year is going to the United Way COVID-19 Recovery and Relief Fund. So not only will you get yourself a huge season preview and help support the work we do with Football Outsiders, you're also going to be supporting charity by buying Football Outsiders Almanac. All right, that's a nice touch. Um, I really appreciate you you being with us today. If, if uh, listeners want to follow Aaron on Twitter, he's at F-O underscore A-C-H-A-T-Z. And uh, football... A-S. Out- A- I'm sorry. A-S-D-H-A-T-Z. Okay. And uh, Football Outsiders, the, the main account is at F-B Outsiders, correct? Correct. All right. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today, Aaron, and good luck with the season. I, I know it's going to be a busy one for you guys. Jay, what was uh, what, what was your main takeaway from the conversation with Aaron? Uh, Aaron saying, don't sign Joe Mixon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for this episode. That, yeah, exactly. And that, that's that's the analytic standpoint. I mean, that, that anybody that's just looking at, at raw numbers is going to tell you that. that's You don't sign running backs. Again, the Bengals are, are looking at the person, not the position. Um, the, what really sparked me was after my conversation with, with Aaron, and it was your question to Brian Callahan about, the, the motion with the offense, because that's that was like the one thing that stood out last year in OTAs is like, is, you know, man, they've got they've got guys in motion on every play and they've got someone in motion at the time of the snap on a lot of plays. And, and we saw that all through OTAs, all through training camp. And then it it really kind of fell off in the regular season and they went away from that. And one of the interesting things in that that football outsiders almanac is they've, they've got everything. I mean, it it is really worth the price. Um, But one of the interesting things is they, they track the percentage of snaps that offenses have a man in motion. And the Bengals were 19th in that last year. And you, you thought they would have been higher with what we saw. They 35% of the time they had a guy in motion. Um, the the correlation to that is incredible because I went and I looked who were the best who who were the teams that most frequently had a man in motion uh, number one the 49ers who were second or second in scoring and seventh in DVOA that DVOA that stat we talked about yep. with Aaron also made the uh, Super Bowl also made the Super Bowl <laughs> Patriots number two sixty three percent. They were seventh in scoring the Ravens sixty two percent first in scoring first in DVOA. The Titans were fourth, 56%, um, sixth in DVOA. Chiefs, fifth, third in DVOA. I mean, that is a direct correlation. The teams that are getting guys in motion and making it harder for the defenses to to, to figure out what's going to be going on on the play are the teams that are having success in scoring and and yards and and everything. Um, So – that that Brian did say that that is something that they're they're looking to do more of this year. But the flip side of that is that a lot of that comes down to timing and rep and reps. And we all know how far behind the eight ball they are with no OTAs this year and a rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow. So that's going to be one of the most interesting things to track early in the season and really as it goes on to see how much that increases uh, throughout the year. And even if you look at the Bengals. When they had they ran a play with pre-snap motion and play action, you know your your two your two amplifiers of offense, right? That that's proven. The analytics will tell you that, and the play plays on the field will tell you that. Um, 
they were their most effective place last year. I mean, and you could probably find that across, I would bet, every team. You, you know, get the football outstairs almanac. Uh, you can look at that. But that, that's just a fact. Here's my question to Brian Callahan to specifically give you his answer uh, to that about pre-snap motion. How much can they really do? Where are they at with that? Do they need to do more of it? Here's, here's Bengals offense coordinator Brian Callahan on that. Uh, we use quite. We use a lot of it. it it's a big part of our offense, and uh, we've kind of we, we used quite enough last year. We probably could have used more, um, but it does. It's a really big advantage to help a quarterback figure out what's happening to the defense. Um, there's a lot of ins and outs to, to how how and why and where you use it, but ultimately it is it's an advantage to be able to to help the quarterback decipher what's what's happening in front of them, keep the defense off balance. Uh, whether it's it's pre-snap motion or motion on the snap or the fly motions and jet motions. There's a lot of ways uh, to deploy those elements. And um, we have not had any problem as far as that stuff being too difficult for anybody to handle. We still do quite a bit of it, uh, and we will continue to do so moving forward um, to make all of our all, – as to be as multiple as we can be on offense to make, make it hard on the defense. I'd imagine probably, you know, just the more on-field time, that might be something that's maybe more of a gradual install than it would be in a normal offseason where all spring you guys are out there and your timing is super sharp on doing that stuff repetitively. It's it, – yeah, would, would it help us to have 10 more OTAs uh, prior to this? Yeah, it, it would be good. But we're, we're kind of in a – we're in a crash course and on a race uh, to the opener just like everybody else is. And these are all problems that everybody's trying to deal with and – um, I, I love the way our guys have attacked it. Their urgency has stepped up. But, you know, when Zach got in front of the team the other day and reminded them that there's really two weeks, less than two weeks of training camp left before a game week starts, and we're actually in, in in-season mode. So uh, the urgency definitely pick, is picked up. Uh, I think these guys understand that, that you know, the, the normal rhythm of training camp is now, is now different, and we're getting ready to, to ramp up and play a game uh, really soon. And so I think that, that helps keep – the, uh, keep the urgency of, of getting all these things down at the manner they need to get them down uh, by the opener. All right. Uh, much thanks to Aaron Schatz, uh, certainly, and, and uh, everybody at football. I highly recommend, if you don't go to footballoutsiders.com, uh, great stuff throughout the season. Um, their DVOA stuff, always worth tracking. It's, it, it is really, honestly, I think it's about as true of a value of real efficiency and performance as you can get taking all the other junk out of it. I, You know, um, Love football outsiders. They do great work. Uh, all right, let's let's wrap this thing up with one of my favorite things all year. It is the Bengals growler bet for Bengals House of Cards. This started last year because the Bengals' entire offense was a total house of cards built around a bunch of players with injury history and all kinds of crap going on. Turns out that house of cards fell apart and they went 2-14. Because we said, you know what, if a lot of those guys from last year's house of cards, which was Cordy Glenn... A.J. Green, Tyler Eifert, and John Ross, all starters at key positions last year. If they could find a way to stay healthy and play, say, 48 of the 64 total games that, that are on board for them, Bengals could actually be pretty good on offense. If they can't somehow keep that group with injury history healthy, it could get quite ugly. Jay, what happened? It got quite ugly. It got quite ugly. Uh, <laughs> I think, what did we end up at? 24? Four, I think we ended up at 24 for their total games last year. Yeah, that, and that was with right. Eifert holding, just carrying the torch. <laughs> I think Eifert was just like, man, I'm I'm the guy. I'm a bastion of health. So this year, you know what? The good news is I don't think they're as based on a house of cards offensively. 
Um, and I don't think they're as overly reliant on those with injury history in the house of cards. They still have, you still have two elements of this, AJ Green and John Ross. Although they're not as reliant on John Ross this year as they were last year. So here's the R4 for this year. And you've got to say how many total games these four will play. And I think this will be indicative to how good of a season the Bengals end up do having. AJ Green, John Ross. On offense, defense, Carl Lawson, Darius Phillips. Lawson, a lot of injury history there, but they need his pass rush off the edge. We saw how much better they were when he was healthy last year. They never really added anybody that can do what he can in the offseason. Darius Phillips, they're going to be certainly dependent on him, especially Trey Wayne's down. Uh, They need him to be able to play well. And he is a very, he's a small corner. He's, you know, he's got to show that he can play a full year. So those four. Jay, and for the Bengals growler bet, if you're listening and you've got your number, total number of games played by these four combined out of 64, what is your what is your number? I I always say never bet against the trend, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bet against the trend here. I, AJ Green is like a it's almost like an all or nothing. Either he misses almost all the year or he plays most of the year. I, I think he's going to lead this team in games played among those four guys um, that you mentioned. Um, I, I've got him and, and Darius Phillips with double-digit games, and I'm going to go Ross and Lawson with eight each, and my number comes to 42. Wow. Okay. Optimistic. That It is optimistic. And... I'm more optimistic, and and I don't know why. <laughs> I, I I mean I do. I I think I have 45. I, I I'm with you. I think that AJ Green is <laughs> just gonna play. Uh, freezing cold takes alert. Uh, I think AJ Green is gonna play most of the season. I think he's gonna be healthy, uh, and I think he's gonna have a big year. I mean, the thing is, it's predicting health. It can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody. If you've been the healthiest you've ever been, you there is still a lot of reliance on guys with a history here. I, I think I think you get um, three quarters of the year out of Lawson. I think you get maybe a little more than half of the year out of Phillips. I think you get a bunch of games out of Green. I think Ross is gonna. I just think he. I don't know. I think Ross is gonna get banged up. One of those guys. I mean, I think one of those guys will, will will probably only play four or five games, and if you can get three quarters on average out of the rest of them, you're in a good place. I still think you look at last year's number, and a defining number for how good this team can be will be, does, do those four guys cross over 40? Do they cross over 42? Are they up in, even in the 50s? If those four guys are up in the 50s, this Bengals team can play because those are difference makers. You know, Phillips may be the least of the group, but the other three in particular can be real difference makers. The good news for Bengal fan here today is those are those four guys that we kind of plucked out as maybe the the closest thing to impactful guys with injuries. They're they're not as uh, important as the group was last year. The, The depth of roster is much better this year to handle guys with injury history. There's less guys, I think, with real injury history and concern. That's a good news if you're the Bengals. I don't think they're as they're not as big of an organizational house of cards as they were last year. 
No, I mean, if you look at the the two deepest position groups, even with all the injuries that they've had and other issues on the defensive line, wide receiver and defensive line are the two best position groups on the team. And three of those four come from that position group. So yeah, there's, it, it's not near as important. Um, like you said, they're not counting on Ross as much this year as they were last year. Obviously you always count on AJ green, but they're, they're better built to withstand something. If there were something to happen to him than they were last year, I think, <laughs> in, in Sunday's scrimmage, if we see Darius Phillips line up against AJ Green on the first snap, everybody better be holding their breath because if they go, <laughs> if they throw a deep ball to AJ Green and those two get tangled up and go to the ground, oh, they, the the house of cards could collapse right there could on the first right play there. of the scrimmage. Yeah. Uh, one thing for the if, if you guys want to take part, this is one of the easiest growler bets of the year to to win because normally we get pretty complicated with the stats and you have to go to decimal points this is a solid uh, number with no decimal point um hashtag bengals growler bet on twitter uh card laid is a card played one guess you can't throw five guesses in there and say oh the last one is the one i meant one chance uh get it in before the season opener Yep, and then when the season wraps, if you have – and by the way, if they don't play all 16 games by some chance, we will just – however many games they don't – if they play 14 games, we'll knock eight off everybody's number. And so you think of it that way. Um, you know, you'll, be, you'll be taking how many of the potential games played you had. Okay. Um, yeah, that wraps us up. So, yeah, hashtag Bengals Growler bet to us on Twitter. Let us know your guesses. And uh, the end of the season, Growler of 50 West Beer of your choice on us if you can hit it right on the number. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, for those that are our subscribers, we love you. Thank you so much. Hope you've enjoyed all of our training camp uh, content season right around the corner. Um, you know, I've got the stock report up with uh, sort of our winners and losers, basically, of the first week. We're going to have a ton of stuff from the scrimmage. Look out for that Monday morning. We're going to have a bunch of stuff coming from Sunday night scrimmage. Um, so if you're not a subscriber, uh, seven-day free trial's up now. You can check that out. Um, uh, and uh, obviously, we're, we're always going to keep coming to you twice a week here now throughout the season. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on The Growler. I can hear that podcast right now.